as an artist, um, you get to put headphones on and dive into a world and get into a flow state. Mm. Uh, and there's a lot of joy in that. Mm. And that's the part I do miss about being an mm. artist. Right? And um, that, that doesn't happen in, when you're running a business. Mm -hmm. You don't get to shut off and, and put on headphones and disappear. Mm. Um, I, I heard a good uh, analogy the other day, or, or I guess definition of the difference between a freelancer and an entrepreneur, because they have a lot of similarities, mm. right? They both have a lot of freedom. Um, you can make really good money doing both. Um, so if, if money is the factor, honestly, go freelance. Freelance is the faster route to money. Entrepreneur, you are the last one paid for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the difference is a, a freelancer gets paid to work. Um, and an entrepreneur, and their job is to do the work. Uh, an entrepreneur's job is to find someone to do the work mm. and to try to make money from it. Um, and you're constantly finding someone to do the next job that pops up. And if you sit down to do the job, you just you just lost the race of entrepreneurship. Mm. Um, I've fallen into that pit so many times. Hello and welcome to the Art Department Podcast. We are at episode 27 and we have another interview lined up. So it's me, Jan Urschel, here in Singapore. We have in San Francisco, Emmanuel Shu, and in Los Angeles, we have here Max Berman, um, the co-founder and uh, one of the chief people behind uh, the service Kitbash 3D. And today we want to talk a little bit about where he came from, what he's currently doing and what he's up to in the future. So actually, I met Max the first time in uh, Croatia, out of all places, at an event um, where we're both speaking. And uh, I was actually sitting next to him in a dark cinema listening to somebody else's talk, and I had no idea he was sitting next to me and until somebody pointed it out. Um, and then over the years, we stayed in contact. And um, I think when we met, it was actually not too long before you, f you started Kitbash, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, but we'll get to that. So first of all, a uh, big welcome to Max here on the podcast. And uh, why don't you give us a little bit uh, about your background for those of you who don't know Kit Bash, who don't know Max Berman. Sure. Yeah. Thank you guys for, for having me. And I, I love that moment in Croatia when, because uh, we had known each other's work, I think. Yeah. And yeah. Someone pointed you out. That's Jan? And like, <laughs> we both had this moment we've been sitting next to each other for the last hour, like, oh, snap. Yeah, 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 uh, exactly. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I'll get, I guess the, the, I'll give you the, the, the two-minute version, uh, <laughs> unless you want the longer one, but we can start there. Uh, Let's start with a short one and go from uh, there. From L.A., I was a, a map painter in the film and video game industry for about a decade. Wow. Um, then, uh, then became an art director, and uh, then left the industry and became an entrepreneur. Um, wow, that's it's the, the that's 10 second version. Second version. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Where did How you... long were you a math major? Yeah, go ahead. Over 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. I remember you did some work on Far Cry and uh, I guess some other Ubisoft titles maybe as well. Yeah, I did. I mean, right. games-wise, I was on Far Cry Primal, Far Cry 5, 
and then um, what are the Ubisoft? Uh, I mean, I did League games. of Legends, Call of Duty, Titanfall. Oh, wow, wow. Halo. Okay, so a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. How did you? I mean, how how did how did you? Uh, first of all get into the industry was matte painting the 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 main thing you wanted to do from the get-go or yeah matte painting was definitely that's that's where i wanted to be and um i actually i cold called every studio i went down the phone book at the time wow. they had the uh, numbers for every studio and so i called there were 200 of them in la i called them all and the very last one zoic <laughs> with a z was the one that said yeah come on in for an interview nice um so yeah, that's, I, I got my start there as an intern, worked mm -hmm. under Sid Dutton, who is a, a legendary oil and glass map painter. And wow. he, uh, he took me on as his apprentice, um, learned a lot from him, and then kind of started my career from there. Wow. And, and the art direction part, was that, for, um, was that also in a studio, or did you kind of decide to do your own thing at that point already? Yeah, I owned a VFX studio uh, for a little bit. And wow. then um did not know anything about business it did not go well uh and then i became art director at elastic uh oh, where i was okay, art director okay. for opening titles so i did uh the crown and westworld oh nice oh westworld i think that's what a lot of people know the opening sequence i assume and yeah. uh nice nice and so I, I can already see some very early like entrepreneurial spirit there trying to open your own vfx studio with nothing much more to go on than your creative juices um that's interesting so that's so enough. it's not like it's not like you said like hey i need to do kit bash and then it was like a runaway success so there was there was some stuff that happened before mm, yes actually i have a qu quick question um uh I mean, we're basing a little bit more, you know, this talk on, you know, to sort of, you know, business and, you know, like how, how all this stuff is happening. Uh, how did that first, you know, VFX job, like how did that pave the way, you know, like you said, it didn't go well. I mean, can you elaborate a little bit more? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Starting a VFX studio was was kind of my first uh, attempt at trying to control my own destiny. And, and be able to have that mm. freedom of, of not being beholden to a boss or a studio's hours or how things, mm. you know, in retrospect, freelance probably would have been a, a much easier solution to that. Mm. Uh, mm. But I also wanted to build something bigger than me. And so I, I started off this studio, I had a business partner who was a producer at a studio. Uh, I knew nothing about business and uh, I, I made probably every mistake in the book. Um, I think we got uh, a cease and desist for cracked software licenses in our first week. <laughs> Didn't nice. even make it past the first project, first week. Um, we did a ton of projects there. I mean, we did Game of Thrones there. Um, that was when when E-Man and I first got to collaborate unknowingly. Okay. He had done, done concepts and then um, my studio, I was doing the map paintings and my studio was doing the compositing for it. Um, but yeah, we, we started that studio, worked my ass off, you know, nonstop, seven days a week, constantly trying to like bring in work, execute a good chunk of the work myself. I didn't know how to lead a team well. I didn't know how to delegate, how to hire, and I knew nothing about business. Um, we thought that we had a little office space in Burbank, which is kind of far away from most of the other studios. 
So we thought it was our location. That was why it was so hard, which it wasn't. And so we built a brand new studio, literally put all the money we made on all these projects into a new studio, built the thing out uh, on the day we're walking through the first day where we actually get to walk through our new studio. Uh, my business partner basically was like, I don't want to, I don't want to run this studio anymore. <laughs> so just, what? yeah. So, um, and it wasn't no fault to him. We had been grinding our asses off and it had not been going well. You know, we, we had projects, we did good work, but financially we weren't anywhere close to being sustainable. Um, so we closed down the studio. I made sure every artist who was working there got a job at whatever studio they wanted to and uh, joined Elastic as an art director. And while I was there, I spent, you know, just about every waking moment trying to understand why didn't it work? You know, I had put so much myself into this business and thinking like, what could I have done better? Why, why is that not working? And so I started reading about business. I started listening to every podcast you could, every YouTube video. Um, and started to move from business, starting to learn what's marketing, what's sales, what's, uh, what does what uh, profitability even mean or margins? And starting to realize like, hey, it's not that, I mean, yes, I didn't know how to run this studio, but also a VFX studio is not a great business. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, just, it's very hard to operate a VFX studio and make money from it. Um, and so that kind of like led me on this path of thinking what else is out there and starting to have this interest and curiosity about what makes businesses work and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, it was not, it was not a good first at that, but it, I, I don't regret any moment of it because it was one of the best learning experiences. Cause it sounds like, you know, you, it's a very positive thing now that you look back at it, but how did you feel? Oh, I mean, you, did you feel like completely defeated? I mean, how did you feel? Completely. When you give a project, I mean, not even a project, a studio, you give it everything you have. We're talking about like all of your savings into it, all of your time. You make mm. so many sacrifices to get things this off the ground, to build a brand, to build a team, and it doesn't work. It's, uh, it's some. You know, it's a, it's, it's a feeling of failure, but also it's almost confusion. You know, you're like, how? Mm, 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 uh, mm, mm. And it was, but that's where, I think that's where the lessons come. Those hardest moments when you're at the, your very bottom is when I think if you, if you can look at it from the lens of what can I learn here and how do I not repeat this, uh, I think there's the most valuable lessons there. For no, sure, that's, for sure. That's a, that's a great lesson to learn and you know almost it's really hard to come out of it you know being as positive you know drive so okay so you were at the art directing job trying to figure out business um continue from there what yeah well the second part about starting a studio that's really hard when it doesn't work out is going back from being the owner of a vfx studio to being an employee at another mm. studio mm. a very difficult task <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When <laughs> when you're you're hearing like, hey, uh, you got to be here at nine a.m. on the dot. You're like, what? Why? You know, like <laughs> you're so used to like you're. Yeah, yeah. I used to set the rules, and now I'm abiding mm. by someone else's. Uh, needless, I mean, I worked with a, a very talented team there, um, but I was not. I don't think I was capable of of going back to working for someone else. Uh, 
And so after a little bit of time there and a couple projects, it, I, I realized I just needed to take a sabbatical and just get away, figure out what the hell I'm going to do with my life. Um, and at that point, 10 years in the industry, I felt like I had tried every job. I'd you know, been an artist, been a lead, been a supervisor, been an art director, owned a studio. I tried all of those and none of them quite fit me. Mm. So I didn't think there was much more to explore in the visual effects world. Uh, so I, I kind of just took a break, started doing personal artwork and fi figured, you know, I'll, I'll figure this out. Let me just give myself this time. Mm. It's a smart thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> keep going to Kipash. Or... <laughs> well, I no, mean, but no. So then, so then, at that point, you're, you know, obviously, you're, 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 you know, you're not digging the, you know, basically, you're doing somebody else's work. Uh, you know, you're being told you have to do all this stuff, and I can just imagine how that feels because I, I wouldn't want that. Uh, so you, you know, you're taking the sabbatical. So what did you find out in the sabbatical? Yeah, well, a couple things happened. Um, I started making a video game that, that was more of like, this is a personal project with me and a childhood friend. Oh, and okay. that started to, you know, a, a friend who I grew up with, we always said when we were kids, one day we're going to make a game. And, and mm. this game was like the perfect game to make with each other. And it was small. And I just started working on that and having a lot of fun with that. Uh, I made a Learn Squared course and put that out. Mm. And that was the first time I had ever seen passive income of like, mm. I'm getting a check every quarter. <laughs> this is awesome. And I thought, mm. wow, like that, I bet this game could do the same thing. Like if we put this game out, maybe it would just cover maybe, who cares, two to three months of rent a year. I'd be set, you know, I'd be happy with that and have the course cover another two or three and maybe take a, a couple freelance map paintings and that covers the rest. Um, really like getting paring down to like, what's the minimum I need to make in order to have the freedom that I want. Mm -hmm. um, and then Banks and I had been good friends for, for years, but we had lost touch and, and we reconnected and I showed him this video game and, and I thought, you know, I'm about to go to publishers to try to find someone to publish this game. Um, maybe that's something we could do together. Maybe we could publish, let's start a publishing company. Um, we knew nothing about publishing, but, <laughs> but thanks. Back uh, to that whole thing. But he has a long history in working in advertising and marketing. Oh, and nice. He's yeah. a, you know, he spent a decade doing that. And so I thought, well, you know, a big part of publishing is the marketing side. But I bet with his marketing expertise, we might be able to like figure something else out here. And at that point, we had both been studying business for, for a long time, or for me, two years at that point of just like hardcore studying business every day. Mm. Um, and so we, we started Fuzzy, which is our publishing company, um, shortly after we partnered with Nintendo to put the game out. Wow. Um, that was a, a, a year and a half long journey of press tours and doing crazy events and like doing them with no money and like... You know, we'd, we'd go fly into a city, we'd go to Best Buy, we'd buy everything we needed to do this big game booth event. We'd set up the whole event, and then the next two days later, we'd pack everything up and return it in Best Buy and then fly out of the city. Um, <laughs> it was like we called it our Best Buy rentals. <laughs> and then we, we were doing that everywhere, like Targets, too, where you're like, here's a rug that 20,000 people have stepped on for the last two days. 
we're going to try to figure out if we can return this because we can't pay for this. That's funny. Wow. Um, I had a question, though, you know, and this is interesting to me, where how did you learn how to make a game? I mean, it, you know, you just say well, you made a game, but man, did you already know or did you have to learn it or? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I mean, I'm, So you I'm, made a game in like un what? Unreal. Unreal, okay. Um, YouTube videos can only get you so far with that. Um, luckily, my, my just childhood friend who I made this with uh, is a very talented programmer also. so Okay, I mean, that helps. <laughs> also, he's the talented programmer. I'd go in there and program things and screw them all up, and then he'd go and fix them all and do mm. a bunch more. And, um, but it was a lot, of, a, a lot of just learning on the fly and, and playing with things. Wow. So, so where did so that you... leave you? I mean, sorry to, to cut in. Go, go, I mean, go, go. where did that leave you at the end? Did you feel like, um, wow, I want to I wanna make the next game? I don't know if you work on, on anything right now. Or did you feel like, okay, I made a game now. It's, it's okay, but it's not. I figured out that this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like, what, what did you, what, what, what was this new experience and where did it kind of bring you? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, when we were making the game, we were supposed to go to E3. We were coming to the Nintendo Switch. So we had a Switch with the game ready to like show some people and press. And Banks and I are walking in and they uh, announced right as we walked through the doors that there was a, a new Mario game coming out on the same day. <laughs> we were like, well, we're going to get crushed. <laughs> like, there's no way. So we like turned, we didn't even go any more steps into the, into E3. We turned around and walked right out. We're sitting at a cafe and we're like, well, we just tried to bring in a couple people to help with the marketing of this. Are we just going to let them go because we have to wait a year? Um, and we had to wait a year because the whole fall AAA season had been starting and that was the last week before AAA season. Um, and so I had this idea for Kit Bash and I pitched it to him in the cafe and we said, well, yeah, let's, oh. let's see if we could build that and release that instead and, and maybe it'll make enough money to hold us over until this game comes out. And that was really the only intention of like, can we make Kitbash and can it, you know, generate something to keep our team here? And, um, and then, you know, a year later the game came out and like Kitbash made a lot more in that month than the game did. And it was a much bigger team at that point and it had become a company. And, you know, the game came out and we were really excited about it, but it was like this other thing thing it has a life of its own already and it's growing up super fast and kind of needs our attention if we want to like actually make this what we think it could be uh, so we put the game out I, I don't know if i'll ever make another maybe one day make another game <laughs> uh, it's i mean fuzzy is still alive we have a lot of projects with fuzzy nice. uh, and those projects just have really long timelines so like Things we started working on, you know, when the game came out, aren't going to be out or announced for another year or two. So it's just longer timelines, but it's such a small part of our focus. Kitbash is, is something that we're really passionate about and building. Right, right. I mean, I think people have the wrong idea of what, like, I mean, of course they can say Kitbash is okay. It's about like 3D assets that you can buy and everything. But I think people have not a clear idea about how big the company actually is. Um, like how many, how many, like how big is it now? How many employees do you have? Uh, we're, we're 50 people right now. 
That's um, that's geez. quite crazy. I was quite surprised when I when when we talked about that, and you mentioned you have so many people that it takes really that many people that are involved in various aspects of of such, running such a big business, and uh, that's quite that's quite impressive. I mean, it, it didn't it doesn't happen overnight, obviously, right? But no, um, it's uh, um, it must have been quite a quite a quite an endeavor. So, I mean. What what do you like? How are you involved in in the day to day business actually in in, in running Kitbash? I mean, there I mean, I, I assume there's like artists, like three D artists, people in marketing, um, probably people. I don't know. You have maybe an accounting team, legal, whatever. I have no idea. I mean, but but what 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 do you do? How has your your role evolved over from from being like let's say an art director to now running this big business? Like, what 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 do you do? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's a good question because I think especially a lot of artists kind of look at my job and go, what do you actually do each day? Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so Banks and I are, are, are co-CEOs. Ah, okay. Uh, it's uh, being a CEO is a it's a it's the hardest job I've ever had. It's the most rewarding. It's the hardest. I don't know how people do it alone. I, I don't know how that's possible. Okay. Yeah. Um, we, we divide and conquer really well uh, because it, it takes so much. Uh, I, I think maybe the best analogy is when you're on a client call uh, as an artist and you're talking to a client and so you have to have your client face on and then you jump to a painting and now you have to switch to your artistic brain. And then maybe you get a, a bunch of emails and you have to quickly respond with some logistical thing of scheduling. And then you have to jump back to the painting. The, the mindset shift is a lot. It's hard to get back into the painting. It takes, you know, it takes a couple minutes before you can get back into the flow of it. Um, and if you're shifting like that all day long, every half hour, it's really difficult. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's really what my job is, is to be the translation between all of these different moving pieces of this and to make sure that we're all aligned in where we're going and, and how to get there, um, which is very different. You know, I don't, I don't work actually that much at all with the artists at Kitbash. I wish I right, 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 right. We have an amazing head of 3D who runs that team. We have amazing concept artists and modelers and textures. Um, I'm pretty close involved with the uh, R&D and the pipeline teams, um, but that's just where I like to spend my time. So I try to give more time to that. Um, but every day I'm either on a call with the finance team, the marketing team, our head of 3D, getting the update, looking at schedules, looking at how much more resources do we need to give these different departments? What are the challenges they're facing? Um, so yeah, it's a lot of meetings and, and jumping between different uh, types of, of subjects. That's crazy. So I, I, I oh, got go a ahead. question yeah. here. Uh, you know, do you do you miss doing art and do you still do art? Uh, I, I don't, I, I won't say that I miss it. Um, mm, interesting. I, I do, I'll do one or two paintings a year. Uh, <laughs> and just and so that's I don't good lose. enough. <laughs> It's those paintings remind me why I don't want to do art anymore. Man, it's, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, business, I have yeah, yeah. emotionally, business is easier because there's a, a, a an objective way of saying did you accomplish it or did you not. 
Art is so subjective that as artists, we beat ourselves up all the time and we go through the valley of suck and we don't know if we're worthy. And like that emotional turmoil is the thing that like, at least I experience every time I do a painting and, and mm -hmm. the thing I don't miss. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, for, for, for me, what's interesting to, to know about is so I mean, you, you, you know, you have looking back, you, you transition quite a bit from into different roles. You, you were like an artist and you, you chose to be an art director or like a supervisor. And then you kind of like headed a studio. And then, I mean, Kitbash was not 50 people strong, like when you founded it or in the first year or whatever. Right. So in the beginning, you had to be involved a lot more directly with actually the artist, I assume. And then over time, it evolved like, oh, shit, we have to hire a head of 3D. We have to hire a head of like a head of this, a head of that. Right. And then um, in a way, you're like your, your job evolves. And, and I'm always wondering, like, how like did you feel like you always had to give up a piece of something like uh, you had to give up a certain job that you actually enjoyed doing and you were moving towards um the job you have now that maybe some parts of it you don't really enjoy doing or or did you actually feel like you are going in the direction that you actually want to go to and you were happy to leave these other jobs that you had to do but didn't necessarily want to like you could leave them behind if you know what I mean, like, do, do you feel like you're getting further away from where you want to be or like you're getting closer to what you really feel like you ought to be doing? I, I think every day I'm getting closer. Um, it was hard at first. Delegating is hard, right? When, mm. you, when you think you're really good at something and yeah, bring yeah. someone else to do it and there's ramp up time. So like, you know, it takes someone time to learn how to do these things and mm. sort of first little bit you're like ah oh, i just want to hold your hand through this and you got to kind of let that go because yes it may release at 80% of where it would have if you were doing it but you're going to be able to do that so many more times the output is going to be increased um i mean when we started i thought i was going to do every cover for every kit we put out <laughs> and Banks was like, we cannot scale that way if you spend two weeks a month doing a cover. Right. And I thought, yeah, we're going to do Kit Bash and I'm going to do a personal painting for two weeks a month and that'll <laughs> be the cover. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, but I mean, wh who else are we going to get to do a cover? And Eman was the, the first one that Banks brought up. He did the first cover that wasn't mine. Um, and he was like, do you think Eman would, would want to do a cover? And I was like, I, I don't know, but if he would, that would be amazing. And <laughs> he did an amazing job on the Warzone cover. And then yeah. it was like, oh, wait, there's other artists here who would want to do covers for this thing. And, you know, you, you did Neo Tokyo 2, which was yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. and way better than any cover I could have ever made. You know, like it's you kind of realize once you let go that like there's a lot of people out there who are a lot more capable. And the, then yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! Well, yeah. I don't know about more capable. <laughs> I would say that it, it it allows variety, but I I I mean I guess for me I'm really curious like that day at E3 when you're at the cafe, why Kitbash? Why like what what was the reasoning behind like hey let's just make kits? I mean where did that come from? Yeah, I hated using 3D. I hated it because mm. I would get projects where I'd have, you know, a couple days to turn around the painting 
And if I was going to model and texture something, that would take me the whole time. I'm, I'm mm. slow in 3D, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I thought, like, this is so dumb. Like, I've done hundreds of castle paintings. Can't someone just model a couple pieces mm. of a castle yeah. mm -hmm. that I can use? Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, you know, if I'm having that problem, I bet you a lot of other people are having that problem. Um, and even if no one buys this, at least I'll be able to recoup my costs because I'll use it and be making money off of map paintings. And so did you look around and say, well, I mean, okay, there are sort of, you know, there are places that have, you know, places you can buy certain models and stuff. I mean, what made you think, hey, you know, this, we could, you know, do packs and this could be, I mean, I, you guys were the, you know, ad early adopters, really, I think, of this whole kit bash kind of uh, trend um what, what did you look at your competition and say well you know we're different or was there anything how did I you see that i didn't see competition at the time i saw you know there's turbo squid and cg yeah. trader but you find yeah. one asset and you try to find the second one in the same style and you can't you know it was it was too unreliable to for for when i was yeah. using yeah I'd use pieces. I still do. Like, I think they, they're great for what they do. Um, and if you want to find like a Audi S5, go to TurboSquid. Mm -hmm. You're going to have someone who built it and maybe you have to try a couple of them, but you'll find it. And we're never going to build an Audi S5. That's first of all, we, we, we own all the work we create, which means everything's an original design, which means there's no copyright behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, so we can't do an Audi S5. TurboSquid can. They're going to do a great job at it. Uh, but there wasn't the cohesive style and there wasn't the like consistent quality level and level of detail. Mm -hmm. Was the, was the yeah. focus on, on architectural stuff, which I think you, I mean, to, to 95%, you still stick to? Was that, I, I guess that came really from you being a matte painter, I guess. Or was there another reason behind saying like, oh, we want to focus on, on that particular thing instead of vehicles or washing machines or plants or whatever? Yeah, well, I think Megascans does a great job with plants. Oh, yeah, and of course. I don't, course think, yeah. I don't think we need to... If someone else is, is doing it, then the problem's already solved. And mm. I think we can spend our time solving problems that, that no one else is tackling. Right. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people have said, why don't you do characters? Uh, characters are so personal to a story or a game or an IP. It's hard for us to do a bunch of characters that would be anything special. Um, and I think environments don't have that same stigma because uh, an environment can be set, dressed and changed around and you don't need to rebuild New York every single time. You just need it once and you can customize it. Um, so I think it, it kind of works better in, in this model for environments and props. Um, we tried vehicles. Uh, I screwed up vehicles. That, that was my, I misread how people wanted to use vehicles um, and, and just wasn't clear on that. So we put supercars and tanks and drones out there. Um, that's something we still need to do and still want to get right. We're just, we did it once we missed, we're going to do it again and do it right. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I wasn't going to even talk about about it, whether it's it, it's good or not. Um, but that's that that's an interesting uh, like uh, that you that you say that uh, from your from yourself. Um, I mean, so um, the next thing I wanted to ask is um, 
Um, I, I, I lost my train of thought. It's okay. I'm going to cut it well, out. Well, let me <laughs> ask a quick question first because I, I actually want to ask, like, what's what's just, what's the most popular thing that that you know, like, uh, you know, uh, to today, you know, what's the most popular kit that that sells? You know, like, I'm I'm curious. Yeah, when we launched the store, first of all, you said we didn't start with fifty. We started with three in a garage, and. <laughs> The three of us took bets on what kit was going to sell the most on launch day. <laughs> we launched with four kits. And so Gothic, Deco, uh, Middle East, and Neo Tokyo. No one betted on Neo Tokyo. We all took the other three. We can't dethrone it. We can't, like It doesn't matter what we put out. Neo Tokyo still is like the thing that is most used on social media. Um, it's the thing that you know most of the studios want. Uh, most artists are picking up, so uh, it, that's that's the most popular kit, and it's been since our launch. It's also one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I mean, it, once you start having a library, you really you really get an idea of of what it is actually like to. I mean, you because I think this kind of um, sales distribution of what sells and how well and over time and with having a back catalog and everything then i guess it make it's the same for any kind of company the same way that apple's products sell or uh, samsung's phone with like having a billion like a 10 different models or whatever there's always going to be one that is outselling everything else i mean i know it from my tutorials now that i have like 20 or whatever like i can see that there are some that i just always sell and it's not the ones i would have necessarily bet on them but they outsell everything else and i'm like just why like i mean yeah. And then um, I guess it's the same for you guys to say like, okay, oh, we're doing this set, and it must. It, I'm pretty sure it it will it will sell well, and because just based on maybe past data, you feel like okay, this kind of set should really sell well, and then it doesn't. Maybe mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the same for you, but I mean, so my question would be like, how do you how do you approach the design of new sets? Like, do you always go to like? Like uh, do a lot of market analysis and say like, oh, this must be selling well. Or, or is it just like, hey, I had this cool idea. I just saw this image on, on Google. I thought this would be nice to do. Like, do you go with your gut or is it like a calculated decision? I don't know. It's both. Um, you know, we listen to the community at time. We send out email surveys. We have a thing on our website where anyone can suggest a kit. Um, social media, especially when people are guessing on hints of new kids, mm -hmm. we, we look at that. Um, so we have like a massive list of requests that we've gotten. They're kind of grouped together by genres. Um, and then we as a team have our own ideas. Our concept artists and modelers a lot of times have their ideas. And we kind of lay it all out and we just will do like a kit idea days where we just generate hundreds of ideas of kits and we kind of pare them down mm -hmm. and segment them. Um, but I think that, you know, what you're talking about, about the course and, and with us, it's the same thing. If we were to double down only on what the best seller was, we would ruin it. Yeah. We would ruin it. Um, and so we, we can't do that. We can't only create Tokyo cities. Right, right, know, right, right. As yeah, much as I would love to, we can't. Yeah. Uh, and so I think... What, you, what we have to do is, is find a balance and say, not every kit we put out in a year is going to be uh, a home run. And, you know, there are some things that we know are more utilitarian and more necessary that, like, 
generic things that people need but aren't as flashy. Right, right, right. Uh, there's sci-fi stuff which people are always really excited about. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, and and then there's like the off the wall ideas where you're like, I don't know if this is going to land at all, but our team is so excited about mm, it. Mm, mm. And it's something new and fresh that we have to do it. Because uh, right. I think if the team's excited about it, they're going to do an amazing job at it. And, and if they're excited, I think other people will be too. Mm, that's true. That's uh, true. We put out heavy metal last year. Right. A off the wall kit. Very strange. Mm. Everyone was really passionate about it, nice. getting really creative about it. But we were like, there's no data. Like, who's going to want this? What's the practical application of this? Yeah. Kit? I, I could not tell you. Uh, yeah, what does heavy metal it, even mean? Yeah. It did really well. Oh, really? That's nice. The work people created with it is super creative and, and amazing. And it, it was kind of a testament to like, yeah, it's, it's worth it to make sure we, we do still pursue those ideas too. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things I always look at and is like, how, like, because I have to make a decision if I want to buy a new set as a professional, right? I have to say like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm charging this to the client and uh, I, I, I need to see like, do I need, do I want to build all the assets or do I actually have room in my budget for buying a new kit bash set? Is it going to help me save time? And, but often I ask myself like, is, is the asset generic enough that I just can just pop it in the background or is it like so nicely designed or it's so unique that it is on the verge of overtaking what I'm actually paid to design itself. Like, how do you, how do you approach to to walk this line um, between? Yeah, I don't, I don't even I don't even know what to call it between like having it just be like an extra or be it being the main actor. How do you approach yeah, that? Yeah, it's. I mean, you're right. It's kind of a like blessing and the curse of like, if we design something iconic, mm. people will really like it, yeah. and we'll be able to see where it's used. We'll know that it's being used. Um, but then it becomes hard to hide or it might take the attention away mm. from, from the rest of the environment. So, I mean, that's something we've, we've definitely wrestled with. Uh, and this year, I think we're making a pretty strong effort to do a lot more utility kits mm -hmm. of like, there are certain things that everyone needs that are nondescript that there isn't that many packs for. So we're doing a lot more of that, mm. uh, so, I mean, I, I wrestle with that, too, because I, I want us to design the coolest looking mm, things we can. Um, but at the end of the day, like Kitbash is a tool. It's a utility. Right. It's meant there to help the artist achieve what they're trying to achieve. Uh, the only thing I can say is I hope that they're modular enough where customizing these pieces, they're giving you interesting shape language that mm. makes it easy to create something interesting. Because mm. um, if it was just rectangular buildings, yeah. It would be hard to create something unique or interesting or, or, or beautiful. Mm, right, right, right. Yeah, I don't know about that though. I mean, I, I, I mean, this is where I, I got to come in and say, because uh, I remember one time having this discussion with George, um, George Hall, and I was saying, you know, he, you know, he was, I, I, you know, this was a long time ago, maybe ten years ago, and I was kind of poo-pooing the whole kid bash i'm like ah you know just, you know just throwing shit together and you know throwing pieces together and and he's like oh okay because i you know i'm saying well you know george is like well i'm you know i'm really not using a whole lot of different parts and i'm like yeah you know and i'm just you know i'm not being an ass but i'm i was just kind of going really i mean that's is that real design and then he he gave me he 
he basically put me in my place. Um, and he just basically, because at that time he was my mentor too. And he, he would say to me, well, why don't you try to make something from these parts that I've made this thing out of? Like, if you think you can do that and it doesn't take any skill at all, then go ahead and try that. And, and I, I did, and I was like, okay, okay, I see what you, you know, because a lot of that is, um, uh, really a lot of years of skill to recognize when you actually have some shapes that are unique in silhouettes. You're just using, you're, you know, you're using pre-made things, but in different, you know, proportions and you see different amounts of it. And it really made me see the, the benefit um, of Kitbash and how you can use it to design uh, because even a lot of the old model makers were Kitbashing uh, stuff, you know, on your favorite ships and obviously there are people like Sid Mead and the, that that won't you know that have you know a certain amount of um their own design language already incorporated but um I saw what he was saying was that you know like it's not everybody that can just take something and kibash it and make it look right so it's going to take a lot of the skill of the the person doing it but nowadays I mean I don't think I've made a model um I don't, God damn, I don't know how long it's been. I mean, even my last piece, you know, with this dragon in the lab, I'm like, everything is t like, taken either from I bought something or taken from somewhere. And, I, you know, I put a whole bunch of stuff together where it didn't, you can't, you can't really tell where it came from. But, you know, I have no qualms about buying kits anymore because I'm like, just bill it to my client. I mean, just bill it to work because it's saving me four days of building yeah that's yeah. exactly true, right i mean there's there's a couple of different things here so I, like i mean i think your 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 kids are being used by a wide variety of people you have just people in architecture you have people just matte painters and 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 just graphic artists and also concept artists right and i guess the kids are all being used in very different ways that some people use it really directly as like oh it's a cityscape but some other people who are just looking for shapes and interesting greebles and don't want to necessarily do everything yourself, they're going to turn your Neo Tokyo set into a space station, right? And that will involve a lot, a lot more skill, like you said before, with recognizing different shapes and, and um, reusing it. Um, but like, um, one question would be, like, how do you deal with all these people kind of generating like almost generating your marketing art for you and you cannot control what they're going to upload and how, like when they're going to tag you and with what. I mean, there's going to be some good ones and then there's going to be a whole lot of not so good art that is done by people who maybe illegally downloaded or pirated your stuff somewhere, but they still think it's cool to tag you. Like, how do you, how do you deal with, with all of that as a company? I think, you know, our company mission is to enable and inspire artists. Right. And if people are creating and they're creating you know, regardless of where they're at in their own artistic journey, uh, the idea that they're using our tools to create something or that maybe having a, a kit gave them an excuse or a reason to go create a piece of artwork that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise, that's 
that's the ultimate reward. Mm. You know, it's, you know, the skill level of where they're at in their journey, that's uh, temporary. Mm -hmm. They're going to post and they're going to get better and better. And, and hopefully we can make that journey a little easier on them. Mm. So I, I love seeing all levels of people do it. Cool. Do you, I mean, do you think though, I mean, it, it, trying to get into um, not a more serious, but a, maybe a, a bit more controversial um, topic of like, um, There, there, there are a lot of voices out there, a lot of artists that, I mean, for, for, for some of them, it's obvious that you use kitbash. It's like, okay, this, this, this is the only way to go. It makes a lot of sense. Actually, we have been kitbashing since like we had little model kits that we could buy. And I mean, there are famous examples of the Millennium Falcon being stuck in the Blade Runner uh, cityscape and all these kind mm -hmm. of things. So for a lot of professionals, it's completely nonsensical to even have this discussion. But there are also other voices and, and high profile voices who say that uh, kit bashing is, is, is not helping art. It's, it's the end of times or whatever. We're all going to burn in, in hell. I don't know when we use kit bash and I mean, the same has been said before about photo bashing and everything. But I mean, I have my own opinion on that. And, and I mean, I use it all the time because it makes sense. But I mean, what, what's your, I mean, what, what's your, um, what would your reply be to, to somebody saying like, uh, kit bashing is the devil's work or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Ben, uh, I think that's the first time I've heard kit bashing is the <laughs> That's how too harsh, thinks. too harsh. Yeah, <laughs> I go to the extreme. I mean, like everyone has their own relationship yeah, yeah, with yeah. art. Uh, there are a couple different reasons that people use kit bash. I think mm. if you're a professional your job is to give the client what they're looking to do as quickly as possible mm. and deliver at the highest quality. Mm. How you get there, completely irrelevant. Mm. You know, that the client is not going to ask you, how did you make this? Mm. Mm. And if they did and you said, ah, I grabbed a bunch of models and I bashed them together and I got a cool image for you and I got it done in a day, they're going to be like, awesome. Uh, do we have licenses? <laughs> <laughs> uh, If you are a student and you're learning, the goal is to iterate as many times as possible mm. and to focus on the thing that you want to be doing the most. Mm. If that's modeling, then you should spend your time modeling. Mm. And if that's creating images that tell stories, then why are you going to go and spend your time learning modeling and UVing and texturing and shading? Mm. Good to know if you get into a bind, but to put the amount of effort and energy into mastering that skill the way that our modelers do at Kitbash. I mean, our team loves modeling mm. and they're the best in the world at it. Like I've worked at a lot of studios. This is one of the finest team of 3D artists I've ever worked with. Our concept designers are the same way. They are masters in environmental storytelling. And we're just starting to unleash that kind of thing where you know, a lot of the new kits coming out this year just have little stories ingrained into every little detail. Those are the types of things that will give you an edge as an artist to give it more life and detail faster and let you focus on an actual composition or an animation or whatever storytelling aspect right, you want. Right. Yeah, that's, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think uh, it, it's, it's easy. Wait, wait, hold on, hold oh, on. What you is wanna... your standpoint? You never shared it. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting him on the spot here. My, my standpoint? 
No, no, no. Jan. Oh, my Jan skin point. Oh, point. sorry. Right. No, no, no. Uh, I mean, it's the devil's work. Yeah, it's a devil's work. <laughs> like burn, burn you to stake. No, no. It's. Um, I think it is. I'm. I'm. I'm always. I was. I was always. I thought I was torn on this, but um, I'm actually very clearly for it for using kitbash because i i i try to use i don't i don't want to call them shortcuts but the more work i do the less time i want to spend on stuff that is just um that is just uh, that eats up my time the thing is right i i realized that i i easily go into those areas of like painting textures or building something in 3d because it's it's like a similar, I feel like a similar kind of work to like going around with a lasso and Photoshop and cutting out things. It's time consuming, but you don't have to think. You just, you just do it. And then time, like suddenly one hour passes and you have cut out like 50, 50 um, persons from a background if you could have just bought a pack for $5 uh, some, on some website. Um, I think I, I always took the easy way out of like, oh, I can just build this myself, right? And then it's going to take me two days and I have shoddily modeled something but i could keep my brain occupied and it was um i didn't have to think about the bigger picture i didn't have to make any important decisions it was kind of just like deferring like um um the decision making and and the responsibility to a later point because i could just make the excuse of like oh i have to build this first instead of just buying the thing that looks better anyway and then getting right to the decision making at that point so that that's what I felt always like um, in, in the earlier stages of my career, like, oh, I needed to do that. Otherwise, it's not mine. Right. That was also that feeling like, um. oh, it's not like I can do it better. Like it has to be my design when the you have to really admit, I mean, uh, that that. Um, you're not the best. You can't be the best at everything, right? And I mean, I understand some people who 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 make a case against it, but in those cases, um, the the environment is actually not secondary to the storytelling. Like the environment is the storytelling, and and from that point, I can understand that you really have to spend the time on creating a absolutely 100% unique environment. And in those cases, I think kit bashing is not the way to go, right? I mean, you're not saying that you have to, like the only way to go is to use kit bash because, because, right? It's not, there, there are projects that, that where it makes sense. And, and um, especially in live action, I think it, it, it does make a lot of sense. And, um, but for in, in other areas, it, it, it doesn't, right? So that's where you have to draw the line. And to say that, that kit bashing is not art, um, then yeah, I, so I don't, I don't want to even get involved in any kind of discussion of that. <laughs> well, I think it, it also depends on on um, what kind of an artist are you, you know, because I think for some artists, they 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 work better putting things together uh, and, and almost like a Lego set mm -hmm. and getting inspired like, oh, my God, look mm -hmm. at that. OK, now I can b make something original from that mm -hmm. silhouette because I never even thought that possible. And there's other people who are like Sid Mead who already have a good idea and he can draw it out. And that's how he likes to work. Mm -hmm. And I think it just depends on who you are. But I mean, a, a, like a, a, a painter, uh, most likely is not going to mix their own pigments. Uh, they're, they're not going to do any of that. They're going to buy something that's available 
Uh, and sometimes, you know, they'll make stuff and they, oh, okay. And then, or, or a photographer, you know, you're not going to build the set every time. Sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and I think in the end is whatever works, you know, uh, for you. Uh, the only thing, the only problem that I actually have is when people are making art uh, um, and it looks exactly like the kit bash set. That's when I'm kind of like, well, do something with it, <laughs> um, mm. you know, because then it's just you really you're not, you know, you're just you're seriously just making a render of it. And then people are trying to go get jobs and saying, well, you know, um, look at my work and uh, and half, you know, like 80 percent of that image, why it looks so good is because the models are really good. And all you got to do is shine a sunlight in there, <laughs> and you, you know, you all of a sudden you got a matte painting and, and a lot of times to me, that's not being creative with the sets. Mm. Yeah. When, when we, when we started doing this, one of the things that surprised us, we thought Kip Ash was going to be mostly for studios. And then we realized that wait, there's a lot of, hobbyists and individuals in the world who have never used 3D who really want to. Uh, but the learning curve for 3D is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know when the last time you guys learned a new 3D software is, but like... I'm learning. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I'm, I hope to avoid that. And, and because of that, I stick with my like old software that I'm comfortable in, but like, I know there's better stuff out there. I just don't want to go through the process. Um, Oh, but yeah. when you think of someone who's never touched 3D and they open up that interface and they see the bajillion icons and buttons, it's so overwhelming and the amount of time it takes to actually get something that looks good, it, you'll you'll lose interest too fast. Mm. Mm. And I, true, true. Mm. I think if we can close that feedback loop, we can make it faster to get your first render that looks good, that looks promising, that gets you excited, mm. then you're mm. more likely to go do that second one. Right. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, yeah. As a professional, you should be creative and be mixing this up. As an mm. as a student, I think getting your first render could be a a, a big milestone. Yeah, no, that's true. Run. That's true. Mm. True, true. That's, that's absolutely true. What, what what is next for Kitbash? I mean, do you, you know this? You know, we we talked about the, your whole thing and 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 the game. You know, sort of it's. You know, it is what it is, uh, and and you may or may not make another one. Looks like Kitbash is like far and away like the main gig now is it you know what's next for it i mean are you planning a lot bigger things i mean are you going to grow it into a bigger place or are you happy where it's at you know uh yeah i mean we're not we're not slowing down for sure we're, we're speeding up if anything um mm -hmm. it's funny because banks and i both when we started said we never wanted to run us a, a company with more than 20 people <laughs> Uh, we're like, ah, anything beyond that would just be too big. And then we were like, well, once we got to 20, we we're like, well, we would never want to run a company more than 50 people. And now we're like, well, we'd never want to run a company more than 100 people. Um, <laughs> but the truth is the scale is just to match the ambitions of what we want to accomplish and what we think we can do. Um, there are projects we're doing now that we couldn't do with without the, the team we had in place. Right. Um, this year, I mean, we're ramping up across the board. Uh, we've been releasing one kit a month since we launched. Um, this is the first year we're releasing two kits a month. Wow. Um, mm. So doubled the output. 
while doubling the output, I mean, the, the product team's gotten a lot bigger and a lot more of a robust pipeline now. So like the quality will go through the roof. Um, yeah, so we're scaling all of the actual kits, trying to make better kits, trying to make more kits. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, that's so much of my focus is, is product and development and R&D. Um, you know, Banks is really the mastermind behind uh, our customer experience and our marketing and, and how we're cultivating community. Um, and I know he has a, a ton of things planned for that this year to go way bigger than what we did last year. Um, and then you know, I think for us, our goal is to enable and inspire artists. It's not to make assets. Assets is just one thing that we do in order to accomplish that goal. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think this year we'll start to take some bigger steps outside of assets as well to uh, to make it faster and easier for artists to create. Wow, that's a lot a lot of stuff planned. Then, I mean, because <laughs> you you kind of Kit Bash 3D really started. I feel like a, a, not a new industry, but um, a new type of business i mean i've been i mean they're, they're, i mean mega scans is also there or companies like mega scans but they 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 do a different thing right they do a slightly different thing um but i've, I've noticed there's a lot of uh, maybe individuals or even smaller companies who um i don't even want to say they piggyback on the success of of kitbash 3d but they suddenly see that there's a market and and that is something they could also profit from right I mean, how how do you see the 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 emerging field of um, I don't know companies that or individuals that want to do assets or I mean even even if it's like like similarly entertainment entertainment focused um, and uh, because there's a lot of people who do like uh, characters with like photogrammetry and different kind of sci-fi assets and other stuff or uh, sculpted stuff that is that's all aimed at at uh, the the entertainment um the the artist in the entertainment field like how do you how do you see how do you see the the entire field evolving um and how what is your what is kitbash's place in that in that in that new world really that you started and that's uh i feel like you're gonna regret asking that question <laughs> oh my god i'm gonna go very high level with that's it. fine that's fine um you know, I think the this idea of the metaverse, right? A, a fully interactive, immersive world that's digital. It's like what it's in so many sci-fi novels and movies and books, and and this thing that we keep saying is it's it's coming. It's it's just over that hill, and and we get over a hill and it's still not there. And we're like, well, it's just over that hill, and we try to you know get to it, and it doesn't feel like we're closing the gap here. Um, and we've been talking about this thing for a long time, but it doesn't seem like we're any closer now than we were 10 years ago. Um, and so when we say, well, where is this going? I think where it has the potential to go is to the metaverse, where you know, we have a fully connected three-dimensional internet. Um, I don't think that's a given of where it's going. I think that is requires a lot of people to push the ball towards it. Mm -hmm. And there's not nearly enough people pushing that ball forward yet, which is why when I see other people servicing this space, I think, awesome, we need an army. And other people building assets, if that's how you want to go about it, awesome. If you want to build tools, if you want to run 
challenges. If you want to do podcasts that help this community, like your guys' podcast does, awesome. That is getting more and more people pushing towards this because ultimately the thing that is going to make the metaverse happen, the same way the internet sprung up, the internet sprung up when anyone could build a website. The metaverse will happen when anyone can build a world. And so if we can make that easier and get more people to do that, then we can get closer to that reality. Wow, that's, that's high level. Okay. <laughs> that's interesting. That's a very interesting perspective. I haven't, hadn't even, I hadn't even thought that far ahead. Um, but it's an interesting point. It's an interesting point. I mean, everybody, like everything, everybody's building all this stuff, right? Where does it, where does it end up? That's a, that's a really good, good question. And maybe, maybe it will be, it will be all that. And we're all going to be uh, running around in kitbash buildings, right? With our VR <laughs> headsets on and everything um that's very cool actually i have yeah. one question that you know i remember from uh when max was talking about um how his day you know a lot of this stuff would be jumping around from you know things to you know different things to different things and and i, I know that a lot of people that have listened to the to the podcast ask a lot about you know sort of how do you do day-to-days and how do you get back in your flow and you know, do you do anything special like, you know, block out time for yourself or wh however you do it to structure your day so that you're the most productive or how to recover from, you know, jumping around from different things? You know, do you have any things that you do that that help you? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I always love hearing people's answers to this. It's some people fall on the chaotic spectrum or the extreme order spectrum. Yeah, and I have a feeling which one you are. Um, <laughs> um, I uh, everything I do is really circled around how do I perform the best at my job because you know out, outside of my relationship uh, with you know my parents, my girlfriend, my friends, that's number one important thing to me. Number two is my job and and what I'm trying to accomplish and give to the world. Um, so everything's structured around that. And, and the only way I can do it is with, with extreme structure. Um, mm. I need schedule. I need regiment. Um, the more I can regiment things, the less decisions I have to make outside of kibash decisions. Um, and so to the point of every day, I have a focus of the day. Um, my meetings are at the same times every day, even though there'll be different meetings at the same times every day, and each one has their own focus. So. You know, Monday will be operations, Tuesday will be product, Wednesday will be marketing. Um, my mornings is like the, here's where I get a lid on what's going on in that department. My afternoons are, here's my work time on a specific project with one of those departments. Um, so that helps with the mindset, uh, mindset shifting. At least I know that like, hey, this block of time, I can just focus on this part of it. Um, You know, same, I, I read constantly and try to not be looking at a screen before bed. Um, try to get eight hours of sleep. Try to work out. Try to eat healthy. Um, all of that in the name of can I be uh, at my peak performance during my work day? Yeah. Well, that's that's that. He's a structure guy. Yeah, yeah. You need that. <laughs> I think if you, if you want to pull this off successfully, you have to. I mean, one question I would have um, before we wrap things up, I think, is um, 
So I'm sure that a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of artists, including myself, are always like, okay, so I've been an artist for a while. What comes next? Like, am I am I cut out to run a company? Am I um, can I really do this? And there's a lot of doubt uh, doubts, of course, um, in in embarking on such an uh, like um, very um, um, how, how to say like a very intimidating like endeavor like as yours but like was there anything you felt like in 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 your in your personal character where you said like like i'm i'm made to be a, a ceo like i've i've always wanted to do things this way or i always felt like uh, i wanted to be independent i always had certain thing i, I did al i always did w did things a certain way that later i realized were actually um, preparing me for m doing this job that I'm doing now like is there anything that that you would uh, be able to recommend people to uh, foster or whatever um, when when they feel like oh I'm, I'm not quite happy just being an artist mm. yeah, I mean for me it was my deep-rooted issues with authority <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, I think that um, You know, there's it's it's a, a very big decision because as an artist, um, you get to put headphones on and dive into a world and get into a flow state, mm. uh, and there's a lot of joy in that, mm. and that's the part I do miss about being mm. an artist. Right? And um, that that doesn't happen in, when you're running a business. Mm -hmm. You don't get to shut off. And, and put on headphones and disappear. Mm. Um, I, I heard a good uh, analogy the other day, or, or I guess definition of the difference between a freelancer and an entrepreneur, because they have a lot of similarities, mm. right? They both have a lot of freedom. Um, you can make really good money doing both. Um, so if, if money's the factor, honestly, go freelance. Freelance is the faster route to money entrepreneur you are the last one paid for a very very long time mm -hmm. um, but the the difference is a, a freelancer gets paid to work um, and an entrepreneur and their job is to do the work uh, an entrepreneur's job is to find someone to do the work mm. and to try to make money from it um, and you're constantly finding someone to do the next job that pops up and if you sit down to do the job you just you just lost the race of entrepreneurship. Mm. Um, I've fallen into that pit so many times. So I, I don't think running a business is for everyone. If an artist thinks like maybe there's something more I can do here, that doesn't mean that running a business is the solution to it. Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, if if you are not interested in business, if you're not interested in sales and logistics and operations and marketing, do not run a business. <laughs> Yeah, no. You should be a freelancer. Yeah. If the reason you want to run a business is because you want more creative control or more creative freedom, be a freelancer. You know, if you want to uh, create a, a company because you want to cultivate a creative environment and you're willing to sacrifice your own artistic desires in order to do that, and you're willing to go and learn all these other things in order to do that, then maybe you should go start a studio. That's a good, good. That's great. That, that's a thing. No, no, I like that. Words to the wise. Yeah, that's really uh, very clear cut and very honest and straightforward. And I think uh, that's really what a lot of people should listen to. I think that's very, very good. Um, 
Emmanuel, was there anything, any last things you wanted to? No, just, uh, you know, what, what are your uh, social media handles? Anything you want people to know about upcoming whatever? A anything. Now's uh, the time. I rarely post anymore uh, at Max Berman VFX, but you'll rarely find anything there. At Kipash3D is the best place to see right. what we're up to. And, um, yeah, for everybody, go check out Kipash3D if you don't already, you know, I mean, you, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody knows about it, but yeah, yeah. if not, go check it out. Uh, we've actually covered it uh, in one of our yeah. uh, assets. Uh, videos exactly we did not we did not get paid for that we didn't get paid by max to do this podcast right <laughs> this is purely uh, because we think uh, max has a lot of interesting things to say and i think uh, everybody who listened uh, throughout the last hour realized um, that he's very open to uh, share all the information all the wealth of knowledge he has amassed throughout his uh, career so far um um, that he's not afraid to, to share everything. So um, thank you so much for coming on and, and, and sharing really all this all this very valuable knowledge. Because I'm 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 very sure that um, when you started Kitbash, you didn't have uh, this kind of podcast to to help you uh, launch uh, uh, the, an asset company based on on selling uh, creativity and assets and all sorts of stuff to fall back on. So for everybody who I think uh, wants to. Uh, get into not necessarily what Kitbash don't don't launch Kitbash 4D please um, you might get into trouble um, but for anybody I think who who has any kind of um, entrepreneurial spirit I think this is a very inspiring um, words to hear and I hope you guys got a lot out of it um, I did for sure and uh, so we want to wrap the episode up here thanks again to Max for for coming on uh, taking time out of his incredibly busy CEO schedule to talk to, to everyone here. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please like, comment and subscribe. We put all the Kitbash uh, links for you in the description. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>